because of Jesus, I am a accepted, adopted, approved, and alive. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am B, beloved, blessed, born again, and a bond servant of Jesus. I am C, chosen of God, a child of God, citizen of heaven, and crucified with Christ. I am D, delivered from darkness, dead to sin, and a disciple of Jesus. I am elect, I am forgiven and free, I am God's workmanship, I am an heir through God and hidden in Christ. I am the image of God and forever in Christ. J, I am justified by faith. K, I am kept for Jesus and known by God. L, I am the light of the world and loved by the Father. M, I am more than a conqueror and a minister of reconciliation. N, I am a new creation. I am not ashamed, I am not forsaken, I am not condemned and I am never alone. I am an oak of righteousness, once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm a priest of the Most High, and I am pleasing to God. I am qualified by the Father, I am redeemed, righteous, rescued, ransomed, and reconciled. S, I am a saint and the salt of the earth. T, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit, and I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. U, I am under grace and united with Christ. V, I am victorious through Christ and vindicated by God. I am a witness of God's power, a worshiper of Jesus, and washed by the Spirit. I am an ex-enemy of God, I am yoked with Christ, and I am zealous for good works and for the glory of God. That's who I am, and that's who you are in Him. Amen. That is such good news. And church, that is who you are. That is who you are. How can we have, how can we have taken something that is so amazing and so wonderful and turned it into something that the world rejects? Easter is known throughout America as the Sunday that we preach the gospel to the lost. Well, today I'm preaching the gospel to the church. Because we preach the gospel here every single Sunday. We just came, we just came off a 10-week series on a, an examination of what the gospel proclaims, of those words that we just seen on that screen. Ten words to live by, and I, and I mean that, to live by. For many in the church, they're just hanging on by their fingernails on the back of the pews. They're just trying to be good enough. They're just trying to somehow feel like God likes them. And they go through the motions Sunday after Sunday, trying the different formulas that are given to them on how to make this Christianity work, only to become more and more frustrated. See, we've been given the most important message in the world. And we, the church, have to make sure that we don't get that message wrong. Have you ever played the game um, phone call? I think that's what it was called. Where you have a group of people. We could do it right now. You want to do it? No. And they say a sentence. They say a phrase or a sentence to the first person in their ear. And then they turn to the next person. And then they turn to the next person, they tell it, and it goes around the whole room, and then it gets back to the end, and the last person stands up and says what was said. And it, has, it doesn't sound anything like what it started with. I'm afraid that that's what's happened to the gospel. Christianity... 
if you have ever entertained the thought, and I know you've heard people say it, that being a Christian is hard. It's not for the timid. You are hearing a false gospel. Because you have nothing to do with being a Christian. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. If you have to perform to earn God's favor, or to earn His goodness, or to earn His blessing, you are not living in the Gospel. You are not living in the grace of God. And we love the five steps. If I do this, this, and this, then God will bless me. If I do this, this, and this, then God will answer my prayer. If I do... Christian bookstores are filled with, with, with topics on that. What did Jesus come to save us from? What did Jesus come to save us from? Come on, this ain't a trick question. The curse, that's it, right? The wrath of God? The wrath of God was on what? Sin. He came... To save us from sin. And what does the word sin mean? The word sin means to miss the mark. Right? And in the church, we love to talk about the verb sin. Your sins. But Jesus came to save us from the noun sin. He came to save us from sin, period. And because He saved us from the noun sin, that means that you have been delivered from the verb sin. You understand that? And to miss the mark, to miss the mark of what? To miss the mark of what God created humanity for. To miss the mark of who God is and who we are in Him. Because in that place is, is perfection. In that place is, is joy, it, it, it's fulfillment, it's it's. Being content in that place is life, and life more abundantly. And I'm here to say that not only did, because, Je, not because Jesus came to rescue us from our sin, to miss the mark, he, then He also came to rescue us from our religion. Because religion misses the mark. See, religion is built... If you can understand this, he tells, he, God gives us the, the, from the, the, um, the end from the beginning. In the, in the garden, there were two trees. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there was the tree of life. And man, humanity, chose poorly. They chose to be their own God. They chose, we will decide what is good and what is evil. We want to know what is good and what is evil. And they rejected the tree of life and they clung to the knowledge of good and evil. Do you know that the Ten Commandments is nothing more than God telling them what is good and what is evil? It's religion. God gave a system to fallen humanity that was based in the knowledge of good and evil. He says, okay, if you want to eat from that tree, if you want to live according to that tree, here you go. Here's a list for you. Right? Today, but was that ever God's will for them to eat from that tree? No. He, he desired for them to eat from the tree of life. And that is where we are today. Jesus Christ is that tree of life. And we can choose the way of life through Jesus, or we can continue to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which is based on our interpretation of what's right, our interpretation of what's wrong. What makes me right? What makes me right? See, the, the, the church is filled with what the world calls hypocrites, right? And, and it's filled with people that they said are just filled, they're judgmental, they bring condemnation on people. Why? Because they're living according to a system 
that they think makes them right. When Jesus Christ is the only thing that can truly make us right. You know, Jesus rose from the dead. That's what we're celebrating today. And what did he tell his disciples? What did he tell his followers? The very first thing. What was the most important thing? He raised from the dead, and now what does he say? I think that he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That was number one on his mind when he raised from the dead. That there is good news. That gospel means good news. And I want you to go to proclaim it to everyone. And the church should be proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And this good news, this gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that we cannot afford to screw up. So let's see what this says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and you can, if you read your Bible, you're going to see this repeated in many, almost all of Paul's um, epistles, his letters to the church. He, sa he says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1, now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received, in which you also stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold firmly to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I handed down to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas which is Peter then to the 12 after that he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time most of whom remain until now but some have fallen asleep what he's saying there is that he appeared to all these people and they're all most of them are still alive and kicking and preaching the gospel, but some have went home to be with the Lord. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Paul makes a statement to the, to the Corinth, Corinth church. He says he preached the gospel to them and they had to receive it. He preached the gospel, the good news. He preached that Jesus died, that he died for, your, for their sins, according to what? The scriptures. So what's that saying? That says that in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament scriptures, there are prophecies that said that this would happen. And then it says that he rose from the dead. And he says that was according to the scriptures. So not only do the Old Testament, does the Old Testament proclaim that the Messiah would die, but it also proclaims that the Messiah would live. Over, over, depending on what prophecy you're looking at, anywhere from 1,000 to 500 years before Jesus appeared on the scene, it was proclaimed that this would happen. And he says, he died for their sins. And that they had to receive this. They had to believe it. They had to believe the good news. And then he says that they had to stand firm in the good news. You're not only saved by the grace of God, but you stand and you live in the grace of God. Grace doesn't just get you in the door. Grace is what gets you through life. He says, he says, because if they did not, if, did they, if they did not receive and they didn't stand in it, he says that they believed in vain. So what they're, he's saying is, if that you believed upon Jesus Christ to be saved, but you fail to walk out that gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in your daily life, in your relationship with God, in your relationship with your fellow man, if, if you forsake the grace of God, he says, then your believing is in vain. See, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. What's that mean? That's faith without corresponding action is useless. Right? So if you say you believe something, and then you go 
let's, you, you, you say that you're believed, that you're saved by grace. You're, you're, you're saved by Jesus, and you're justified by Jesus, and that it's all of Jesus and none of you. So why would then would you say, well, i got to do this, this, and this to get God to bless me? i got to do this, this, and this to get God to forgive me. Do you understand that? If you didn't have to do anything to enter into the new creation realities, what makes because it was by grace, and that's what you believed, why would you forsake the gospel and then try to work out your own salvation and your own righteousness and your own ability and your own strength? You understand that? I hope you do. You're kind of looking at me like, Chad, where are you going with this? Then he goes on to explain that what, the, what the gospel is. And he says, what was handed down to them was of first importance. First importance. This is the most important thing. The most important thing. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then he talks about these eyewitnesses. And why does he say about these eyewitnesses? Because these people are still alive. This isn't something that he just made up. He says, you, you, there are people among you that seen this. No one came out and said, Paul, this is a lie. Why? Because there was witnesses. They had witnesses that witnessed the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And no one could deny the gospel. Paul proclaimed, Paul proclaimed, that this simple truth is what contained the power of salvation. It's of the most important. It's the most important. And he says, and he says, this is what saves you. My question is, is when did the simple gospel become complex? Paul just preached the gospel right there. He said that Jesus died. He died for your sins according to Scripture. He was raised on the third day. You believe in Him and you're saved. Simple. Simple. Why for Christians is it so complex? I went to a, uh, a banquet this week um, for Reach Ministries. It's, it's a jail ministry. And it was, uh, this one was up in Heron, uh, Heron County. And Chaplain Chuck and Erlinda, this was their last one. They're, they're retiring from their ministry of 23 years, right? 27 years, sorry about that. 27 years. And there was a lot of, there was honoring them as right, rightfully so for their faithful, faithfulness. And uh, I'd love to hear the stories of your Orlando. It reminds me of my wife, Amanda. Um, just, so, just so, for Amanda, she's, she's behind, behind the scenes, but she is so supportive. And it's just, it's just a blessing to be able to be two people, a team, working towards this, the same goal. And... And they asked uh, Chaplain Chuck, how many people came to the Lord over those 27 years? And he said, conservatively, at least 3,000. Amen. Uh, amen, right? But this is, what, this is what caught me. Is when Chuck said, now I know you guys are thinking to yourself, well, that's just jailhouse religion. And he had to tell them what the gospel was. <laughs> that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. And it was to a group of Christians. As if it's something more complex. The good news is good news. It's simple. And all it is is faith in God. 
And somewhere along the way, we've, we've, we've turned, we turned this free gift of grace and we put a price tag on it. Where you now have to earn God's love. You have to earn God's favor. You have to earn God's blessing. When did the free gift that proclaims rest become toil? When did the free the freedom become bondage? When did the good news become bad news? For most Christians, they live their life not in abandonment of all worry and anxiety and fear. But not, not, they're just like the world. Not only do they live in fear of tomorrow and, and fear in their finances and fear with their family and fear with their kids, but now they also fear what God's going to do to them. We should be the most laid back, joyful, living life to the full, people on the face of the planet. We shouldn't have a care. We should say, I could care less. Why? Because He cares for me. But the problem is, is that we come into church and we get burdened down with a bunch of more cares. Instead of going out in liberty and going out light and going out in freedom. We go out in bondage. We go out in toil. We go out in, with our heads looking down. I've said this many times before, but it's so telling. The church needs to listen. There are so many people that I have heard personally, and I know you've heard people say this. Well, if I ever went to church, the roof would cave in. Or lightning would strike. I actually said that one Sunday, and a person came up to me, and I, they said, I, just, I said that to my husband just before we walked in the door. Where do they get that idea from? Where do they get the idea that God is angry with them? That God doesn't want anything to do with them? There's only one place they could get that from. Those that say they preach the Gospel. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the Gospel. Do you know who you have to be ashamed of the gospel, who, where you get that feeling of being ashamed of the gospel from? Religious people. Religious people and intellectuals. Paul actually said that um, to the Greeks, the intellectuals, it's foolishness, and to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the religious and the intellectuals, the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Is hard to receive. And Paul says, because he was an intellectual and he was religious, he says, I am not ashamed. He was. Past tense. For, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. The gospel, Paul is saying, is the only thing that contains the power in it to birth a new creation in this world. The gospel is the only thing by how men can be saved, how it can rescue an eternal soul. The gospel is the only means and the only power unto salvation, and it's all-inclusive. See, this is another thing we get wrong. It's all-inclusive. It's for all people. It's for Gentiles, the Greeks. It's for the Jews. It's for, it's for male, it's for female, it's for black, white, green, yellow, tan. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what religion you are in. The gospel can save you. It's all inclusive. Christianity is the most inclusive message on the face of the planet. Because in this place, we come together and we're one. We're one in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how much money you don't make. 
It doesn't matter what sex you are. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. We are all one in Christ. But here's the problem. We have taken the simple message and we've made it complex. We have taken something powerful and we've made it weak. We have taken something easy and we've made it hard. We have taken the priceless gift of God's grace and we counterfeit it into a thing called man-made religion. And just like Adam and Eve, we exchange the tree of life for a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's just a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. Let me explain why this is such a big deal. And you've heard me say this before. If I had a, a $10 million stacked right here, $10 million stacked right here, and over here, I'm going to take it down to one copper penny right here. One copper penny right here, $10 million stacked over here. And I asked you, you can have one or the other. Choose. Well, you'd choose this one over here, wouldn't you? You'd choose the $10 million. But I said, but wait. The $10 million, that is counterfeit currency. But this penny is the real thing. Now how would you choose? Well, some of you are thinking, well, I think I could get it. No. <laughs> but truthfully... You would choose that penny. Because this is worthless. And here's the thing that I've heard about people that, that are in the business of um, bank tellers and, and stuff like that that, that uh, um, are on the lookout for counterfeit bills. What they do is they, they teach people to know the real thing so well that a counterfeit sticks out like a... Like a heel thumb. It just, it just stick, it sticks out. And we, as the church, need to know the gospel so well that any counterfeit, when that serpent comes with his lies, that it sticks out and it cannot be denied that that's a counterfeit and that is false. See, like counterfeit money that has no value, thus it has no power, a counterfeit gospel has no power to save, and thus it has no value. See, I once bought into a counterfeit gospel, and instead of finding power of salvation, I found it was a burden. I found burden, I found doubt, I found debt, I found duty, I found depression. Because if you're sincere, if you're zealous, and you want to do good for God, but you don't have any ability in yourself to do good for God, and everything you try, it turns into a miserable failure. And no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you read, no matter how much you serve, no matter how much you give, it just doesn't, get, it doesn't satisfy your soul, and you don't feel pleasing to God. I think that's a reason why a lot of people leave the church. Because they're honest. Because they're honest. I can't do that. I can't wear those religious masks. I can't wear, carry that burden. I have enough burdens out in the regular world, let alone to come into church and get given more burdens. I don't need it. And I almost applaud those people for being honest. But it's not their fault. It's the church's fault because we're giving them a counterfeit gospel that doesn't have the power to save. It doesn't have the power to deliver. See, what we've taken... We've called something the gospel that's actually bad news with just a fake label on it. It's a knockoff, right? You buy a knockoff suit jacket or something like that, and you wear it the first time, and all of a sudden the sleeve rips off. And 
So how do, you, how do we spot a counterfeit gospel? How do we spot a counterfeit gospel? If this is the most important message in the world, how can we know if we're speaking the gospel that Jesus Christ gave us to deliver? How do we know if we're, we're, we're preaching the message that Paul preached? And that's what we're going to reveal today. Why? So we can be set free as a church. And when we are set free, then we can go and set others free. Now, because I'm all about simplicity, here's the quick of it, right? I'm going to tell you the, tell you the answer from the beginning, and then we're going to unpack all this. A counterfeit gospel is the one with a price tag on it. Do you understand what I mean by that? A counterfeit gospel is the one with a price tag on it. A price tag means that there's a cost. So whenever you hear someone say that the blessings of God come at a cost, you are hearing a counterfeit gospel. Here's what the Apostle Paul thought of of counterfeit gospels. This is the Phillips translation. I love this passage of Scripture in the Phillips translation. It's going to reveal some of my personality to you. And because he's saying it and I'm not saying it, you can't get mad at me. All right, here we go. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, I, Paul, who who am appointed and commissioned a messenger not by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Look at that, he's telling the gospel, right? I and all the brothers with me send the churches in Galatia greetings. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to the Father's plan, that's the Scriptures, right? Gave Himself for our sins and thereby rescued us from the present evil world order. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Right there, that's the Gospel. Let's keep going. I am amazed. I am amazed that you have so quickly transferred your allegiance from him who has called you in the grace of Christ to another gospel. Not, of course, that it could ever be, could, could be another gospel, but there are obviously men who are upsetting your faith with a, with a travesty of the gospel of Christ. So Paul is saying there's, there's a false gospel out there that's being proclaimed, and the Galatian church is believing it. And it's a travesty. Yet I say that if I or an angel from heaven were to preach to you any other gospel than the one you have heard, listen, if all of a sudden I go off the deep end and I, and I dive headlong into religion and I, and I show up here preaching a gospel different than what you've heard me preach in the past, you know what you need to do? You need to find another church. Any other gospel than the one you have heard, may he be damned. You have heard me say it before, and now I put it down in black and white. May anybody who preaches any other gospel than the one you have already heard be a damned soul. Now, Apostle Paul, he's not, he, you know Apostle Paul's heart. He's not, he's not wishing anyone to, to go to hell. But what he's saying is, is that's exactly where a false gospel will take you. Right? It sounds like the Apostle Paul took counterfeit gospels pretty seriously. But the problem is, just as like in in Paul's day, not much has changed. Instead of being awestruck by Christ's sacrifice, we are trying to impress God with ours. So you've got to understand, you need to go read the book of Galatians and what this false gospel is saying. It's saying that grace got you in the door, but now you got to do this, this, and this. You need to get circumcised. you got to follow the Ten Commandments. you got to follow the Jewish traditions. They had a name for these people. They were Judaizers. Does that sound familiar? That you get saved by grace, but now you better do this, this, and this if you want to be kept by grace. 
That's a false gospel. The vast majority of Christians have been sold a counterfeit gospel. They, they have bought into a message that looks like the real thing, but it's nothing more than a sloppy knockoff. Most Christians are still trying to earn what God has given freely. Do you understand that? Anytime. <laughs> this is so hard because so many, I've been where, where so many people have been. Anytime you are trying to earn something from God, or you're trying to get something from God, you are believing a false gospel. Jesus provided it all through the cross. If it's not provided through Jesus, it's not provided at all. The Bible says that all the promises of God find their yes and amen in Him. They already got, because of Christ, it's got God's yes. Now you just add your amen to it. Most Christians spend most of their prayer life trying to get God to move. God moved 2,000 years ago. You're supposed to be speaking to your mountain, not speaking to God about your mountain. He has given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the powers of darkness. He has, a, he has anointed you with his favor. You are royalty. I think I preached a message on that a couple Sundays ago. You are royalty. And we spend all our time complaining to God. And God's up there saying, what are you complaining about? I've already done it. You need to walk it out now. You need to use your authority. You need to use the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to stand on the Word. If you're trying to earn something, it's not the Gospel. When asked about grace, Christians will say, yes, I am saved by grace. Thank God for His grace. But by their works, they testify that God's grace is not enough. I've, I've talked, talked to people. Something bad happens in their life and they go, Chad, I don't understand this. I'm trying to be a good Christian. I read my Bible. I serve in the church. I try to hardly miss a Sunday. What else do I need to do? Have you ever been there? What else? Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing you need to do. That's the problem. Your life is filled with do-do. You just do, do, do. Instead of let Him do. Because He already did. God cannot bless your works. Let me say that again. God will not bless your works. Because if He blesses your works, what He would be saying is that the cross was of none effect. And the reason why some Christians are confused about why God's not pleased with their sacrificing is because you are not satisfied with His sacrifice. See, we, we, we think this idea that grace may have gotten them started, but now it's up to us to finish. Let's look at what Paul had to say about that. Back to the Galatians and Philip's translation. Oh, you dear idiots of Galatia, man, who saw Jesus Christ, the crucified, so plainly, who has been casting a spell on you? I will ask you one simple question. Did you receive the Spirit of God by trying to keep the law or by believing the message of the Gospel? Did you see that? Trying to keep the law and the message of the Gospel, they're different. They're not the same. Surely you cannot be so idiotic as to think that a man begins his spiritual life in the Spirit and then completes it by reverting to outward observances? Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying that how did you become born again? By the grace of God, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through what Jesus Christ has accomplished. You, we can't be so idiotic to think that if that's how we got started, that now we're supposed to live in outward observances and by the law and by our own righteousness and our own do's and don'ts. Look how he goes on to say, 
Has all your painful experiences brought you nowhere? See, they, they went through great, great hardship of persecution because they believed the gospel. I simply cannot believe it of you. Does God who gives you his spirit and works miracles among you, if you need a miracle in your life, listen up. Listen up. If you need a miracle in your life, listen to this. Does God who gives you the spirit and works miracles among you do these things because you have obeyed the law? Because of what you are doing? Because of, look at, look at my, my sheet. i got lots of gold stars on here, God. Is that why he does it? Or because you have believed the gospel? Ask yourself that. The things that you are desiring for God to do in your life, is he going to do it because of the things that you have done? Or is he going to do it because of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You need to ask yourself that. You need to ask yourself that daily. Martin Luther was was asked, or Martin Luther was asked why he always preaches the gospel, and he says, "I preach. I need to hear the gospel every day because I forget it every day. It's so easy to go back into man-made religion. It's so easy to go back to that tree of knowledge of good and evil, and eat from that forbidden fruit." A counterfeit gospel is what you have when someone tells you that God won't accept you or bless you unless you first do something for Him. That's what. That's see, people get people think that all religions are the same. Yeah, if you're if you're practicing man-made Christianity, yeah, it sounds a lot like all the other religions of the world, don't it? You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get beat. You climb, you climb the ladder to heaven. You meet, you meet. Uh, you, you if you do enough good things and you meditate and you do, and then you'll reach um, nirvana. Right? It's all, it's all the same thing. Man-made religion's all the same. You're absolutely right. But the gospel has nothing to do with man-made religion. The gospel has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God and Jesus and Holy Spirit and what they did for humanity. On our behalf. Let's look at another to the point scripture. And I'll speed this up. Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God. Listen, you can nullify the grace of God. Paul says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness, right standing with God, comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. How do you nullify the grace of God? By judging your righteousness based on your behavior. Church, we need to understand this. If you think you can do anything to improve your standing with God, you are saying that Christ died for nothing. There is nothing you can do to give yourself better standing before God than what you already have in Christ Jesus. That should be good news. That should be so good news that God sees you. He accepts you. He loves you. He desires for you to prosper. He desires for you to have life and have life abundantly. He sees you where you are. And He desires to give all the promises of God to you. It's your inheritance in Christ Jesus. Receive it. Believe it. Walk in it. The truth is, you are calling Jesus a liar when we, look, when, we, when we think that we have to earn God's favor. Because He said it's finished. And according to man-made religion, it isn't finished. You are elevating yourself to co-savior. After all, Jesus needs your help, don't He? Yeah, right. Have you ever noticed that counterfeit gospels are sold to Christians, not sinners? See, sinners, they get the real stuff. 
They get what Chaplain Chuck preaches. They get grace 100 proof with no mixers. The strong, potent grace of God. But Christians, they get the dirty grace that spews from the toxic jug of rule-based tradition. Sinners are given unconditional love of God, but Christians are made to pay for it. This has left those that have grown up in the church as feeling like they don't need God's grace. That's for the worst kind of sinners. The one that needs God's pity. See, that's the problem. That's the problem. There's, there are people in the church. There are people in the church that have grown up in Christianity. They're not like your pastor that grew up in, in Christianity but then went out and lived like hell. Right? I know, I know you've been good all your life, but that's not my testimony. So maybe I do understand the God's grace a little bit more than others. But you shouldn't. Because I look at my kids, and you should look at your kids that are growing up in the faith. It's so easy for them to think that they are righteous before God because I've always been a Christian. I've always been a good, good person. I've always been more morally upstanding. You know, that grace, I don't need God's grace. That's for, that's for those sinners. That's for those sinners. That's for those people that got, need God's pity. And the church is filled with people like this. And they're filled with people that's forgotten the grace of God, that rescued them from the pit of hell. And now they're just filled with, with self-righteousness and are twice the son of hell as the Pharisees were. See, if, if this rings true for you, if you get tired of me preaching the gospel and you get tired of hearing about grace, you need to know that your righteousness, your righteousness, I'm not talking about your sin. I'm talking about you on your best day. You on your best day. God says, compared to the righteousness of God, is but filthy rags. Go do a word study on that. I've already said enough that's going to offend you. Go do a word study on what those filthy rags are. Let's see if anybody does it. Tell, tell us next week if you got the guts. You on your best day. You've got to understand that. And, it's, and grace is not just to get saved. Grace is to live. We live in fellowship with God Almighty. We live in partnership with God. We have been translated into a new kingdom. We have promises. We have supernatural ability that's from on high and from within. Grace is what we live by. And if you've never <laughs> been deep into the enemy's camp, thank God for that. But understand that it's only by His grace and that we, you have to live by that grace and that you need to be saved by grace just going to church, just being a Lutheran, a Baptist, a Catholic, a Methodist, a, I don't know. The list goes on and on. Episcopalian. Doesn't mean you're saved. You have to trust, you have to rely on, you have to be steadfast in the grace of God. The gospel is for everyone, not just those that we call sinners. We need to come out of the fog of religion and performance-based Christianity. So quickly, here is how you can know if you're hearing the gospel that Paul preached. Number one, does it cause me to fix my eyes exclusively on Jesus? If you are hearing the gospel, it should always point to Jesus. It should not cause you to navel gaze. Does the message that I'm hearing focus on me or does it fix 
Cause me to fix my eyes on the author and the perfecter of my faith. Does it emphasize what I am doing or not doing? Or does it emphasize what Christ has done? Does it make me self-conscious and introspective or or Christ-conscious and grateful? A counterfeit gospel will always put the focus on you and your effort. It will leave you thinking, I have to pray, I have to fast, I have to give. The problem with many of the Christian disciplines is not that you are doing it, it's the motive behind why you are doing it. Why are you doing those things? Are you doing it because of fear? Are you motivated from fear or punishment? Are you trying to earn God's favor or get brownie points? Or are you trying to deal with guilt and condemnation? Motive is everything. Next, does, it, does what I'm hearing empower me to overcome sin? Does the message I'm hearing leave me sin conscious and, commandment and, 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 and com- condemned? Or does it leave me cross conscious and blameless? Hebrews 10 tells us, that we should no longer have consciousness of sin. Why? Because our sins have been purged. You go to most church services, and all you do is hear about sin. Does it push me to overcome sin in my own strength, or does it lead me to the grace that teaches me to say the no to ungodliness, to see my true identity and who I am in Christ Jesus? You are not a sinner held captive by sin. You have been liberated. You have been freed. You are a new creation that is learning to walk in the Spirit. That's what Christianity is all about. It's learning to walk in union through the Spirit with God. We're back in the garden in the cool of the day, fellowshipping with our Heavenly Father. Does what I'm hearing release peace and joy? Does a message I'm hearing leave me anxious and insecure, or does it fill me with supernatural peace and joy? Does it emphasize my responsibility to perform for Christ or release joy-filled response to Christ? You might be struggling with sin. Maybe you're not struggling with sin. There's a lot of people that are just struggling. They're they're, They're struggling to feel like, Do I please God? They're struggling with what's the right thing that God wants me to do. They're struggling with feeling, just just struggling to feel like I'm a good Christian. Am I a good Christian? Does God think I'm good? Stop struggling. Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is. If the message you're listening to does not reveal Jesus and the gift of righteousness, again, what is righteousness? That means you are in perfect right standing with God. You are right in this world. When God sees you in this world, he sees you right, not wrong. You are right because you have been made right through Jesus Christ. What kind of bold, that's why it says the righteous are as bold as a lion. If you're right with God, what boldness, what confidence in this world, that God's for me. He's not against me. Why would you want to live any other way when you have the creator of the universe on your side? Right? He says, if it doesn't reveal Jesus and the gift of righteousness, then you will never experience the peace and joy that comes with it. The reason why you don't have peace with God is because you don't feel right with God. The reason why you don't have joy unspeakable is you're too worried, too busy, and burdened down working for something that you already have. To know that you're right. That you're in Christ and and you're never coming out. You have eternal security in Him. What, What are you worried about? It is... It's good news. Thank you. So are you resting in Jesus' righteousness or are you trying to earn points with yours? Last, oh, I think this is last. Does, does what I'm hearing set me free? Does the message I'm hearing bind me with heavy loads or does it give me a yoke that's easy and light? Does it compel me to keep the commandments or to trust in the one who fulfilled them on my behalf? Does it tie me up with cords of duty and 
obligation or does it liberate me to rest under the wide open skies of my Father's love and grace? Every gospel promotes freedom, but counterfeits never deliver. When you swallow the toxic mixture of grace plus works, you will find yourself under a burdensome yoke of slavery once again. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, standing firm and do therefore stand, standing firm, do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. If you don't understand, if you haven't read the book of Galatians, you're going to think, because of your religious training, you're thinking, the yoke of slavery, he must be talking about sin. No, he's talking about the law. The law is the yoke of slavery. We have been liberated. We have been set free from religion. We have been set free from the law. We have been set free in the Spirit of God. And you're sitting there thinking, man, are you, are you saying that I can live any way I like? Well, what if I am? How do you, how do you want to live? You want to live in death or you want to live in life? You want to live in, in poverty or you want to live in provision? You want to live in abundance or do you want to live in lack? You want to live in joy or do you want to live in this pathetic, depressed world that's out there? So let's bring it back to simplicity of the gospel. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Now, if Jesus says, I tell you the truth, that means you better listen up. Whenever you see truly, truly, or I tell you the truth, your ears should pick up because Jesus is saying something that's going to be hard for people to believe. When someone that has never lied, when God Almighty says, listen, I'm telling you the truth here, we better perk our ears up because what he's about to say will be hard for us to believe. You want to hear it? He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Mark chapter 10, verse 15. Unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you will never get there. Does your gospel pass the child test? See, the gospel is so simple that a childlike understanding is required to see it. It's so uncomplicated that it confounds the wise. Any gospel that does not pass the child test is no gospel at all. If you want to know if the message you have bought into is the authentic gospel, go tell it to a child. I'm, not, I'm talking about everything that you, you say that you believe. Not just, not just the, the, what got you into heaven. How do you live in Christ? A child should be able to understand that. If their eyes do not light up, if they don't giddy, get giddy with excitement, your message is a failure. If you want to know if the gospel of Jesus Christ that you have bought, in it, bought into, it should pass the child test and it should have no price tags attached to it. The church in this third great awakening in this country needs to awaken to righteousness. The righteousness that is only found in Jesus Christ. We need to start speaking the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the only power it is only the power unto salvation. We need to be teaching it to our kids. We need to teach them in the ways of grace and, the, and, the, and being led by the Spirit rather than rule-based discipline. We need to liberate those that the church has kept bound. We're, we're about to... We're, we're gonna, I'm going to get you mad at me. At least you, some of you men. Um, 
the next series we're, we're teaching, I'm teaching on the gospel to women. The Bible is the most liberating book on the face of the planet for women. Jesus Christ liberated women more than any other world leader ever. And there is still much more work to do in the church. And the church is made up with more than half women, and we've handcuffed them and said that their voice is of no importance. So there's good news for us women. So women, you better show up and you better give me some support. Right? Amen. So this is the gospel. It's such good news. It's so liberating. It's so freeing. It, 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 God's not in a bad mood. He's not mad at you. He's not in a bad mood. He's got your picture in his wallet. Right? He looks at you. He's, out, you, he, he's got the family picture up on the mantle and you're in it. He loves you. Easter, that's what we're celebrating. We're, we're celebrating a God that came down. A, 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 we were lost and confused. We're lost in our sin. We were lost in our religion. We didn't even know what God looked like anymore. And Jesus showed up and he says, If you've seen me, you've seen God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And, and Philip says, Jesus, just show us the Father and we'll be happy. And he says, have I been with you so long, Philip, and you do not know me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the express image of God. If your, if your God does not look like Jesus, if your God does not look like a, a, a servant nailed to a cross, dying for his enemies, you are worshiping a false God. That's the love of God spread abroad to all humanity. And because he was God, he raised on the third day. And the eyewitnesses, and no one could, re, um, could come against that report that he raised from the dead because every eye seen. And to this day, Jesus is changing lives. That simple message that Jesus died for your sins, that he raised from the dead, and now you can be a new creation in him. That simple message is changing lives all over the world. And that simple message is what will change our nation. It will change our schools. It will change our government. It will change, it change Hollywood. It will change what's going on in this world. The reason why the kingdom of darkness is roaring like a lion is because it's on the ropes. It's on the ropes. Stop listening to the false prophet networks. God is coming back. Jesus is coming back for a victorious church. Not one that's hiding in their bomb shelters. Eating Vienna sausages and baked beans. Yeah. He's coming back for a victorious church. And this is good news. This is the good news of the gospel. And this is why Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and we'll close in song. If you need prayer today, or if you need to know more about the gospel of Jesus Christ, or maybe you're one of those persons that's sitting here saying, you know what, I don't know if I'm saved. You know, you, know, you should question your salvation. Because if you can question it, you should. If you're sitting here today, and, and you don't know if I'm saved, it, it's so simple, and it's such good news. It's going to be the best thing that you've ever heard, and it's going to transform your life. I'm here to pray for you. If, you. if you have need, if you need prayer, we're, we're here to pray for you. And, uh, and, uh, and because it comes through the grace of God and the gospel of Christ and believing and not through works, we get to see the miracles of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the clarity of it. We, say, we thank you for the simplicity of it. That we don't have to make it complex. That we don't have to add our effort to it. But that it was all completed in Jesus. It was completed at the cross and through the resurrection of Jesus. Father, we thank you that because he died, we died with him. We thank you that because he rose again, we now live in him. We thank you that we are in a kingdom that will never be shaken. We thank you that we have 
freedom, liberty, joy, and peace unspeakable. We thank you that it's all through fellowship in the Spirit of Christ and that we have been made one with Him. Father, we thank you for the gift of salvation and we receive it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karis.com.